Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the One Minute Apology. Welcome to another edition of Theology Matter, folks. I am your host, Devin Palou, and I have my lovely co-host with me. Hi, everyone. Melissa Palou here. Coming at you a day early. Um, or is this our normal yeah, day? Normal day oh, okay. I've got confused on the days. Mm-hmm. Been a long week, folks. Um, we're doing a special show today. Um, unfortunately, we lost a great uh, teacher, mentor, friend, uh, and just a giant in the Christian faith earlier this week. Melissa, maybe for those who don't know, you want to explain what happened? Yeah, so Dr. Norman Geisler, um, I'm sure if you have uh, listened to our podcast, you know what an influence he has been on us personally and intellectually um, and what a, a giant he has been in terms of Uh, the modern apologetics movement and so this show obviously um, being dedicated to 
the fields of apologetics and theology, um, you cannot um, possibly uh, deal with these uh, deal with these issues without um, uh, the influence of Dr. Geisler. And so we um, wanted to just take take some time to really reflect on his life, his legacy um, to us personally um, and. Uh, with uh, with others who Dr. Geisler has um, influenced, um, he actually has been a guest on our on our show um, previously, and so we'll have to um, pull up those archives and, and post those um, as well to our uh, Facebook page. Um, as he he always had time uh, to do things like this, um, and he gave us his time freely uh, to building up the kingdom and to pouring into believers and equipping the body. And so we just saw it fitting today um, during our time. We were going to be actually discussing some issues related to um, abortion, but we will uh, resume that next week, and we just wanted to, to focus on remembering Dr. Geisler today. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're really, you know, it's it's a sad uh, time, but uh, it's also going to be a great show. We've got some guys that work with Dr. Geisler and um, – you know, one one of them was his uh, assistant for years, and one of them now is working with NGIM. And uh, we're going to open up the phone lines for people who want to call and share some of their memories of Dr. Geisler. But before we get into that, we just want to uh, get a few little housekeeping things out of the way. Uh, if you have not liked us on Facebook yet, you can just type in Theology Matters with the Palouse, and there you can uh, find a lot of our shows and uh you know if you're new to the new to the podcast our primary focus is apologetics and theology and so we've done topics on mormonism new age atheism uh islam every every kind of religion you could think of so be sure to follow us there melissa where can they find us on the like itunes or android right so we have uh we're on itunes apple Podcasts, and these things as well so you can always go back yes but you can always go back and um under true radio um on blog talk and you can uh, pull up our archives we've been at this for how many years now we just celebrated seven or eight years yeah so we um, have a lot of uh, – int- we usually bring on guests who are experts in particular fields and topics. We've, we've hosted debates on, on our show here on God's existence, abortion, um, uh, solo, uh, solo fide, things like that. And so you can, you'll find a wealth of knowledge from those who are really trained in these particular topics. All right. Well, uh, let's – from there, we'll just go ahead and go to uh, our first guest. And wanted to bring our friend Thomas McCuddy on the air with us. Thomas actually works with NGIM, and I've, uh, me and Melissa have both known him for several years, and have got to do a lot of ministry with him. And uh, just, just a wonderful guy. Melissa, maybe you can introduce him. Right. So Thomas McCuddy, he is a graduate of Southern Evangelical Seminary, which of course Dr. Geisler um, co-founded and is president emeritus of, and you know, taught uh, faithfully for years. And so um, Thomas works with Norm Geisler International Ministries as the director of the Norm Geisler Institute, and he can share a little more with you about what that entails. And um, But we, we want to bring him on uh, just to share uh, more about Dr. Geisler's work, ministry, and life. So, Thomas, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Thomas. And thanks for taking time to come out um, and be on the air with us. I realize, I recognize that you're you're traveling right now, correct? 
I am. I was actually in, in Memphis visiting family, uh, so I'm heading back uh, today, actually. Okay, great. And I know you spend a lot of time on the road and in that um, sharing about um, the Norm Geisler Institute. Um, tell us about the Norm Geisler Institute uh, very briefly before we jump into discussing that because you're Sure. Sure. So a few years ago, David Geisler, when he came back to the States, Norm had a vision for the Norm Geisler International Ministries. And this mm-hmm. was to continue the legacy after all that Norm has written, over 100 books. The idea is, you know, we need a way to minister, reach the churches. And a part of David's vision was always to have an institute that would directly impact. And so the Norm Geisler Institute is kind of like the discipleship arm that reaches out and person to person trains, equips, disciples, the church in evangelism, discipleship, and apologetics. So that anything the Mm -hmm. Institute does, it's done person to person. And that's really a big part of Norm's legacy because when I was in the early 2000s looking for a school for apologetics and I would call up the different schools and, you know, they, they treat you kind of like you do when you get like customer service at Walmart sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, it was Norm who said, Hey, come out. I'll take you out to lunch and tell you Mm -hmm. about SES. And I was like, well, that's like getting a a lunch date with Billy Graham. Sure. I'm going to go out Mm -hmm. and and go check this place out. And, and so the Institute in a lot of ways retains that personal approach to Mm -hmm. reach the church and help people and that's that's what it is and then and that you know as you discuss that in that personal approach and even your own story of dr guys are reaching out come on let's have lunch there's so many stories like that of him taking time and energy and effort to pour into people one person at a time and i think um Many may not realize that, you know, when they see him maybe speaking in, in around the world and all these books that are coming out and um, see his teaching material and, and that they may not under, realize the, the, the effort that he put into uh, meeting, pouring into people one person at a time. So I love the, um, that the Institute um, was founded and the vision of it and that that will continue through Dr. Geiser's legacy. Um, so, so you you shared you know basically how you all met um, was through you coming to the seminary, correct, and getting to get trained. Correct. Yes, I was actually I'm, I majored in mathematics in my undergrad, and when God called me to ministry, I was dealing with Muslims, atheists, and Hindus, and I didn't know anything about all these isms, and and I just went looking for mm-hmm. books, and of course. Norm had several on the shelf, and he said he had a seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. And back in those early days, there was only two schools that really emphasized apologetics, and I and I was searching for every single one. And and like I said, his mm-hmm. was the one not only that I think did it the best, but you know, like I said, he reached out. And when I came, and I, I'll never forget sitting down having root beer floats in his den, and I'm sitting there just looking around like, what am I doing? How did I get here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that's just kind of, that's that's who he was, and a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, so it was you say you were doing some ministry to Muslims and that, and that's kind of what got you into apologetics and and uh, like looking looking at some of his books and that. Well, actually, I was I was studying mathematics at a state university, and in that department. Muslims, atheists, and Hindus were pretty much the body of population. Uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. one of the bigger schools out in Tennessee, and um, like I said, this I was just coming up against things like relativism, pluralism, 
Um, I remember back in those days, there was a guy, and we still don't know his name. I took a class with some of my friends, and we called him Long-Haired Philosophy Man because he had just this long hair and would spout these philosophical Mm -hmm. ideas. And I remember thinking to myself, that's the stupidest stuff I've ever heard in my life. But come to Mm -hmm. find out, he was quoting Immanuel Kant, and he was quoting key ideas that I knew nothing about, and I had no idea had been around for, for a very long time. And so I knew that I needed to engage this. And when God called me to ministry, I knew I had to give answers. And my, I think my most used quote when I sat down one of my first times with Norm and was just kind of sharing my experience about, you know, dealing with these things. And like, they're just saying this stuff. I know it's wrong, and I, but I don't know how to answer. And he said, yeah. anyone can smell a rotten egg, but you can't always lay a better one. And I said, mm. I want to learn how to lay a better one. You know, I want to learn how to do this. And that's what, that's what brought me to Charlotte and, and set me on that course. So I know some Christians, you know, they, and, you know, I grew up in, in a kind of a culture where it was like philosophy and that was looked down upon. Science was looked down upon. Did you have kind of an aversion to that? The doctor guys were kind of, I don't know, helped you get over or were you, you were pretty open to it or. I was pretty open because I didn't really come up in a church culture. So um, I was, again, studying mathematics, and I was kind of in an academic world. And when I got into it, I realized, you know, there was no one there to help me. Like I would go, you know, when I first was saved in middle school, I went to the church looking to be discipled because that's what I had read about. I, I came to Christ by reading the New Testament on my own. I read it twice and put my faith in Christ. No church, no youth group, no just as I am. I just, you know, I I just read it and I said, hey, if this stuff is true, I either have to be all in or walk away. So I didn't have any kind Mm -hmm. of background, but I, as I went into the church, I realized the sad thing for me is I understood that the church was lacking in helping me. I couldn't go to the church to get these answers. That as I was getting hit with objections by the Muslims, no one in my church, and I went to a very large church there in, in Middle Tennessee, and uh, no mm-hmm. one could help me. And as I was facing these isms, no one knew what to say. And so that's why I was basically going to the books and the, the internet was still, and it's, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't quite as robust as it is today. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And that's why right. uh, actually when I graduated middle Tennessee, we packed up everything we owned. We moved to Charlotte um, with no jobs, no prospects, no nothing, because I knew Charlotte had SES, and that was the only way I was going to get this training. And we went literally on a wing and a prayer, and God provided. Wonderful. Um, real quick, we have we have a few people on the line that have called in because uh, we've asked people to call in and share your thoughts and your, your memories about Dr. Geisler has impacted your life. So just uh, stay on the line with us. Be patient. And uh, let me give you the number for sure. those who would like to call in, 619-768-7314. That's 619-768-7314. We're going to move through some of these uh, testimonials. But, Thomas, was there a particular book that Dr. Geisler had written that impacted you uh, the most or one of your favorite? I know he wrote a lot, and they're probably a lot of them are your favorite, but any one particular kind of stick out? The initial ones that got that, that got me, and this is so odd. It's not anyone, not a book anyone else is going to really talk about, because my background was mathematics. So when I got a hold of Dr. Geisler's logic book, that helped uh-huh. me understand how 
everything I had been thinking about and how I'd learned how to think applied to Christianity. And so coming from the sciences, stuff like that resonated with me in a, in a big way. And um, that's what just kind of drew me in. So again, not, not the one that everybody's going to point to, <laughs> but from where I was, yeah. it bridged a gap that I, I needed bridging. Well, that, that particular book you're talking about, uh, I can't remember the name exactly, something of critical thinking, right? An introduction to No, Come Let Us Reason. Like that. That's it. Come Let, and I've, I've the, got that come, come Let Us Reason. Yeah, you know, it's funny because me and Melissa know, uh, we've, we've talked to a few um, moms, homeschool moms that actually uh, were doing it in their women's group and that uh, was helping them really think. So I know that was that was a good book. Um, go ahead, Melissa. Yeah. Well, um, in terms of just working with Dr. Geisler, um, him um, bringing you know you coming on to, to the team with David Geisler, and what was what was that like to have an opportunity? I mean, here you are again, starting from just wanting to get involved and learn, wanting to learn about apologetics, meeting Dr. Geisler, being trained under him, and then you're on the team and you're working with him and for him. What, what was that experience like? Oh, and it was it was a long process in the making because I sat under Dr. Geisler's teaching for about five years in my master's. And when I began my doctorate, mm-hmm. it was when I met David Geisler. And mm-hmm. because of my work, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I was working in a small country church that it was David Geisler who saw that I was approaching apologetics from a very different angle because I'm not in the collegiate world. I'm I'm at the level of the pew. And so that was where, you know, and this, this was before when I came on board in the January of 2018 was really kind of when the Institute began. And that mm-hmm. was what David saw as he, as he said, we need that practical experience and we need to, the, the phrase we use now is reach the pew. And so that was part of the vision was we're going to take Norm's material and we're going to bridge the gap for all, everyone else, where they are from their experiences. And so coming on board with that was, was incredible. And part of what uh, I actually brought Norm out to the Bible college where I teach at in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, mm-hmm. so we did a whole day conference. I got to share the stage with him. And that was also kind of between class with David and Norm kind of seeing what we had built in an unapologetic mm-hmm. bachelor's program. One of the few it's in the nation fewer classical apologetics at the bachelor's level. That was where they said, Hey, we want you to come alongside and do this with us. And I mean, my wife agreed. She's like, this is what God has been doing since that day. He called you into ministry mm-hmm. in 2001. And, yeah. you know, it, it is, it's, it's incredible because, you know, Norm has blazed the trail. He's, provide it so much so many times people say well i need i want to know about this and i said norm has a book on that somebody says well i want to know about this <laughs> norm has three books on that you know <laughs> and so i think it's just awesome i you know it's not a relic to say oh let's look at the past all at all he's done this is still mm-hmm. forward thinking that his legacy is and what he's done mm-hmm. is continuing to grow and move forward and i think one of the awesome yeah. things for me is that i get to stand on his shoulders and yeah. and reach people the way he reached me. So, 
And, you know, yeah, it's Thomas, awesome. just from us knowing you personally and through our ministry with Rashio Christie and partnering with you on some, some various um, uh, opportunities to equip the church, um, your, your ministry there and your teaching at the, at the, the Bible college there um, in the Fayetteville area, um, I, I'm really impressed because of the students who have come through there and that are there and that have just fallen in love with apologetics and are becoming uh, and, and are getting equipped and trained. And you have a number of um, African-American students who, um, yes. from what I, from my conversation, were not familiar with apologetics but had questions. And now God's using, now that they're being equipped through you because you were equipped through Dr. Geiser and his work, they're being equipped and they're equipping their churches. And so um, I think that that is an amazing legacy myself as, you know, as a, um, a black female um, in the apologetics world, um, the, the impact that Dr. Geiser has had on um, spreading this message of reasonable faith um, to those who um, may have had little exposure to that in the past um, and reaching all types of demographics, women, um, minorities, those over in Asia, you know, I know you guys have a huge presence in Asia, in those those areas. Um, I I think enough has not been said about that impact that he has to bringing the apologetics world and the what we would call the ivory tower thinking and the these deep philosophical ideas down to the person um, who is, you know, right there in their community, um, just sharing the gospel with people. That and you're right. There's a lot of people who who don't know. Norm was never, to my knowledge and my experience with him, he was never the the one who wanted to be the sage from the stage. He he was mm-hmm. he was that expert. But what NGIM and part of that vision was planting feet on the ground everywhere that we know. In the case of our branch in the Philippines, we know Filipinos are going to reach Filipinos best. We know. Mm-hmm. I just went to South Africa a month ago. South Africans are going to meet meet. Um, reach South Africans mm-hmm. the best. And so the mm-hmm. same thing with the Bible college where I am, you know, I recognize mm-hmm. African Americans are in the best place to reach other African Americans. There's a shared culture mm-hmm. there that I as a white man do not possess. And you know, and mm-hmm. I actually there's a there's an African American church in Fayetteville that through the apologetics, through what we're doing and through NGIM, I've actually been going every other month training and speaking mm-hmm. at that church, trying to raise up leaders in that church, trying to raise up mm-hmm. people. And, you know, and I tell them every time when I go in there, I was like, just in case you notice, you know, I'm, I'm not a black guy, you know, and they laugh and they're like, yeah, we, we see that. I said, yeah. I said, we need, we need people of all sorts and everyone can mm-hmm. do this. And I think what happens sometimes, Melissa, is uh, I know this has been mm-hmm. the case with a lot of ladies. I know this has been the case with other people sometimes around the world. They think we can't mm-hmm. do this. We're not capable. And I said, that's the exactly. lie we're trying to, to overcome is that what, mm-hmm. what the legacy of norm is that we're going to teach everybody who can think in this world to think mm-hmm. about their faith so they can love the Lord with their mind as well as their hearts. And mm-hmm. that's part of my excitement is uh, one of my students, he's, he's an African-American man. He's, he's uh, just finished his master's at SES. And he asked me, he said, should I get a Ph.D.? And I said, I, I said, yes, you, you get the Ph.D. Mm-hmm. We, we need people of all mm-hmm. ethnicities, all backgrounds. And I think that's, that's what's just one of the exciting things about being part of the international ministry. It's not just an in-house thing. Norm was never that way. He would go to any church that asked him, even if they didn't pay him, 
no one knew mm-hmm. that. Like he never, he never asked for an honorarium up front. Like from, from my knowledge and from what mm-hmm. I understand, he never set that fee. And that's honestly with the Institute, we've, I've adopted that same kind of policy is that if there's a little mm-hmm. church of 20 people that need help, we're going to get, we're going to reach them somehow. If there's a church of 2000, we'll be there. We're, we're there for the mm-hmm. church. And, and that's really, in my mind, that struck me so much when I heard that about Norm, you know, that he didn't, you know, just the fact that he, he never asked, he never, he never knew how much a church gave him. He never, you know, I just, that blew my mm-hmm. mind. And I said, mm-hmm. I want to be that. I want to be that kind of person. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's mm-hmm. a, a way personally he's impacted me that we now continue to, to move the ministry forward uh, really with that same philosophy. So. Mm. Yeah. We, um, one of Devin's and my uh, favorite memories of Dr. Geisler was in um, 2011, actually later in 2011. And he was asked to speak at a conference of God by evil. And I believe it was when his book had recently um, came out, um, if God by evil. And he was asked, mm-hmm. there was a, a, a small group of um, black apologists in inner city Cleveland. And they were, uh, they formed this ministry, ready defense ministries, and they were um, just equipping the church. They were excited and um, they uh, decided to have this conference and asked Dr. Geiser to come. And he of course accepted um, and uh, they hosted it at Alistair Beck's church, but he ended up, um, long story short, he was coming from another conference in California and he flew into Cleveland and um, Dr. Geiser didn't, wasn't a big uh, fan of planes. And so rather than um, flying from, he was flying into Cleveland. So after the conference, rather than flying from Cleveland to Charlotte, he wanted to to ride. He wanted to drive. And so um, he actually asked Devin and I to drive his car <laughs> from from here to Cleveland, what, seven, eight hours. Um, he trust, entrusted us to drive his car up there. And then um, he had arranged for us to, we all stayed in, in homes of the, the people on the team. Um, he, you know, he was, again, he was never, um, he was so humble. So we stayed in homes of the team mem- members and had dinners together. And he um, uh, spoke at the conference and then we drove out. We drove him back and we took turns driving actually, um, me and him. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just, it was a neat, a neat um eight-hour drive, just picking his brain and asking him questions. But it's right. just the fact that he was that on that level of, of uh, you know, uh, you could just talk to him about anything. And um, so that any any final thoughts, Thomas, about um, Dr. Geiser? I know we're all, um, we're, you know, it, yeah, even though Dr. Geiser was, was in his 80s, um, he was still um, so vibrant and he was teaching and he was, he was doing so much, you know, up until the end. And so even with his age, I, I think it still is a shock to, to many of us because of the fact that he was so, um, he was still going. He was still doing God's mission. And so, yeah. It is. And I think that, uh, and I remember him saying many times in classes, he would rather burn out than rust out. And I've seen mm-hmm. a couple of articles, you know, that, that lament the fact, you know, he only retired just a few months ago, you know, how sad. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, that's how he wanted it. <laughs> he didn't want to be sitting around in a rocking chair. So mm-hmm. I think the Lord, the Lord gave him the desire of his heart. He, he maintained it till the end. And uh, that's, mm-hmm. 
that's just that's just an example to follow. I mean, that's that's what he wanted. That's what God gave him, and I know that's exactly uh, Norm finished well, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a celebration mm-hmm. of a life this weekend. It really is, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that you know with with the way and again as, as it comes in the end, it comes quickly. I know a lot of people were shocked, but I tell you, I said um, Norm is not with any regrets right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that. No. no, he talked of heaven so much, and we actually opened the show with a hymn because he he always instilled that love of hymns in us, and so mm-hmm. um, we we'll be rejoicing. But Thomas, we really thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on to share, to reflect, um, and just uh, you know, again, we have a link, a hyperlink provided on on the show description where you can link to get information about Norm Geisler Institute. Um, please go there, get, you know, get trained, get equipped, spread the word so that um, the legacy of Dr. Geisler um, will continue um, through through the church for many, many, many years to come. And we just, we thank you so much and, and we'll, we'll see you um, this weekend at the services. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you, Devin. Appreciate y'all. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break, guys, um, with a clip from Dr. Geisler and we'll come back and we'll take, uh, take a caller. Yeah, and uh, let me give the number out again for those who would like to call and share your uh, memories or how Dr. Geisler impacted you. You can call in at 619-768-7314. That's 619-768-7314. Those uh, holding on the line, please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. apologist. If you had one minute to be able to unpack for the audience, we interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. My name is Bobby Conway, and I am here with Dr. Norman Geisler. Good to be with you, Dr. Geisler. It's nice to be here, and it's nice to be anywhere at my age. Hey, I think it's nice to be anywhere at my age as well. We're living in a time that is known as relativism, where people go around saying, it doesn't matter what you believe, and all beliefs are equal. We know that the ancient question that Jesus was asked by Pilate was, what is truth? How could you respond to somebody today who's a relativist by telling them what truth is? Well, I'd say to them, truth is telling it like it is. That's a common uh, everyday expression today. Truth is uh, uh, what corresponds to the facts. Uh, uh, It's a fact that I'm here discussing this with you. So it's a true statement to say that I am. It's a fact that I exist. So it's a true statement to say, them. So there's nothing tricky about truth. It's what corresponds to the facts, what tells it like it is, what matches its object. I say I'm sitting in a chair, matches the object, and uh, falsehood is just the opposite. Uh, uh, I, I'm not somewhere else. I'm right here today. You know, the square, the earth is not square. It's it's round. So truth is telling it like it is. Falsehood is the opposite of truth, not telling it like it is. Uh, so there's nothing tricky about truth. What's tricky is that people think that you can apply this uh, in a subjective way and they say, well, it's true for you, but not for me. I say, well, it's not true for you. Two plus two is uh, true for both of us, you know. Yeah. And three times three is nine is uh, true for both of us. The law of non-contradiction is true for, for everybody. It's not just, it's just true somewhere. No matter what culture, what language you're, you're in, it's still true. It's objectively true. If they say, well, I don't believe in objective truth. I say, is that objectively true? You know, or I don't believe in absolute truth. I say, is that absolutely true? You know, they're self-defeating 
statements. Well, I'm, I'm skeptical about everything. Well, you're skeptical about that? So are you really skeptical about everything? So everybody really in actual practice, uh, in real life, everybody believes in absolute truth. You go into court and you say, I swear to tell the expedient, the whole expedient, and nothing but the expedient, so help me future experience. The judge won't buy it and the jury won't buy it. We are back, and we are continuing our tribute show to Dr. Geisler, and we're going to go to some phone calls now. We're going to bring on our friend Bill in a little bit, but I uh, want to go ahead and go to our first uh, caller. Caller, are you there? Hello, caller, are you there? Is that me? You talking? Yeah, that is you. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, who is All right. Yes. Yeah. What you doing? This is this is Joel Paulus, and Joel Paulus. I, uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, well, Joel. Joel is one of our uh, good friends from Southern Evangelical Seminary, and uh, been to the church ministry with him, and uh, just one of the original original gang. You got anything to add on that? Yeah, long time. Uh, uh, worked with Dr. Geiser there at the seminary, and uh, I'm sure that you have lots of great things to share about Dr. Geisler's life and ministry and, and that, being so close with him at the seminary. Yes, yes. I um, was a student um, for several years, my my entire time uh, as a student at SES, and then I went on to work for him as uh, an assistant and research assistant and worked on a few mm-hmm. of his publications and uh, would assist him in some of his uh, speaking engagements and also assisted with some of uh, selling uh, some of the merchandise that was produced from uh, the talks and worked on that side of it as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always like thinking back and and just seeing how he was a very well-rounded person. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of his... um, uh, scholar, his scholarly efforts and skill are definitely being celebrated as they should. Um, mm-hmm. but, but he was a, he was a very well-rounded person. He wasn't someone that um, only uh, spent all of his time with um, you know, with scholarship and, and apologetics. He mm-hmm. balanced. He had a very balanced life. Very balanced with mm-hmm. everything else. He enjoyed family. He en- really enjoyed children, babies. Uh, music, mm-hmm. uh, sports. Um, mm-hmm. he, he enjoyed um, having people over and having dinner together. He loved going mm-hmm. out to lunch and just yeah. talking. And it wouldn't always be about yeah. theology it would come up, but he right. enjoyed just hearing about what you were doing as a person and how your life was going. He wanted to know about how your family was. How you're always asking about my parents, you know. And, yeah. And one of the, one of the, one of the first times my my dad came to visit me out in Charlotte um, after I had moved here, and uh, Dr. Geisler uh, w- wanted to take us out to lunch, and so um, we sat down, and Norm said, "Okay, I pay, you pray." <laughs> and he he always had little he always had little quips like yeah. that. He, he just it, it wasn't just in the classroom. He always had like a quip. He always 
had puns. He loved puns and jokes. Mm-hmm. He loved silly jokes. He had a silly side mm-hmm. that a lot of people didn't necessarily get to see. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he liked to cut loose, act goofy, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, so he was a he was just a all round, very well rounded individual, and very there was, he was a family um, man. There is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're, we're smiling as, as you're talking, Joel, because you're just thinking yeah. amongst ourselves. Well, there's, you know? there's this one particular story. <laughs> Melissa always laughs when I tell it, but you know, we we went to lunch with Dr. Geiser. We we went up to um, Alistair Begg's church. Ron Rhodes was there. It was the Problem of Evil conference. I can't. We, did you go to what that, Joel? I, I think, think I might have been there. Okay, yeah. I couldn't couldn't remember. It's been a while, but. You know, we stopped at McDonald's, I think, on the way back. And for years, I always made fun of Melissa the way she ate her Big Mac because, uh, <laughs> folks, she would deconstruct this thing to where it was – she'd take half of it apart and eat it like a pizza. So <laughs> there was just a weirdness, and I always used to give her such, such grief about that. I'd never seen anyone do it. And so we all go to McDonald's. We all order a Big Mac, you know, and so we all sit down and – so I'm like giving Melissa the eye, like, you know, don't do that crazy thing with the Big Mac because, you know, Dr. Guys was here and I don't want him to think we're heretics or something. And lo and behold, <laughs> as they're sitting there waiting, Dr. Geisler starts doing his burger the same, same way. We had such a kick out of that. Yeah. You know, and I think that trip, um, Joel, well, a couple of things I remember. I remember once when we were um, – uh, and I'm so glad you called in like that. This It's just bringing back so many great, great memories, actually. Um, uh-huh. We went to Winston-Salem to uh, when Dr. Geiser was speaking at the uh, the Truth Project, one of the trainings. And I, we That's all, right. um, Devin and I had a, had an old beat-up Dodge Caravan. That's right. And we picked Dr. Geiser <laughs> up and picked you up, and we headed up to Winston-Salem and, and right. spent the day there and um, came back and, on the way, but we just—I just remember picking his brain. That's, and like you said, it wasn't like necessarily like in this scholarly environment, but just asking him questions. And he never like was like, "Don't talk to me. I just finished talking for two hours. Don't ask me any questions." He—he—I think he really knew how much those experiences meant to all of us personally. And so oh, even yeah. I'm sure he tired, you know. But he really—he—he—he he, he made sure that we have the most of the, our time with him. Yeah, he knew how much it meant to us, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was very approachable. If there was one adjective yeah. I had to describe about his personality, very approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, always, he would talk with anybody uh, and everybody, and he was very open. And there was nothing off limits, and right. he was he was very generous. Um, in general, generous with his with his learning and what and his experiences mm-hmm. and sharing that, and he was very generous with you know taking people out to lunch and saying hey come over mm-hmm. and if you, if you're out of town and yeah. need a place to stay I have a room for you I, he was a very giving mm-hmm. individual he he really lived it he wasn't just someone you know it was mm-hmm. well I've studied this and it's all theoretical and it's all talk and I've worked it out mm-hmm. logically he embodied mm-hmm. it and I think that's Really, what sets Christianity? Mm -hmm. He was the real deal, and that's really what Mm -hmm. one of the one of the things that really sets Christianity apart from everything else is Mm -hmm. that this this idea of embodiment and presence and being with people, and you know Mm -hmm. that's what Jesus did. He spent time with people. Um, It's a very Mm -hmm. 
it's a very incarnational faith, and I think he mm-hmm. he did live that out in that way, practically, yeah. not just theoretically. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, I just remember, you know, just going over to their house, Devin and I, just having ice cream, you know, doing having ice cream yeah, Sundays, yeah, you know, Dr. with Cordelin. with him and um Dr. Cordelin and and Miss Geisler. I mean, just things like that, and just going in his house and Fire walking hymns. to walking into his library, singing hymns, things like that. One, yeah. I, I remember also another very um a, a very deep memory when we were all in Cleveland, and like I said, uh during during the day, I, uh, I recall this was a time when. One of our former classmates and friends um, who was battling cancer, um, James O'Loughlin. Um, uh, oh yeah. Joe, I'm sure you're the whole thing. When James had uh, had been diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer, and he was in his 30s, and um, our time in Cleveland, James had gone through surgery, and he was having a rough recovery, and. We had gotten the call when we were all in Cleveland during a break um, from Miss Geisler that that James had passed away and was with the Lord. And um, I recall Dr. Geisler, um, uh, he was so worried about James's mom because she was alone here in Charlotte and she only had James here. And he made sure that um, that Miss Geisler had arrangements for. Um, James' mom uh, to come over to their home and to stay there, and that they were going to be, you know, just taking care of her and make and confident her. I mean, you can imagine the grief that she was going through losing her only son. And so, but and I remember us getting back to town, and we went to the house, and and there she was in the home, and Miss Geiser was there confident her, and Doctor Geiser them just took her into the house um, with no question, and um, you know, he had, he had gone through the loss of a child, um, of a daughter in life, and so. I know he 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 felt that um, that weight that she felt at that time, but that was that was a difficult time for for our um, for our seminary family. But just to see him personally um, uh, open up his home and and do all that he did um, to alleviate the suffering of that family during that time was just really it was just such an example to see those up and close um, pictures of, of of Christ working his heart. Yeah. So, yeah. So, any any closing thoughts before we um move on, Joel? Uh, well, um, I suppose just really summarizing everything we've talked about, I, and I believe it's one of the mm-hmm. books that's uh, again one of the less popular ones. He, uh, uh, love, love about love. The greatest apologetic being love, and mm-hmm. uh, he certainly had that. He certainly demonstrated that as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So his his apologetics transcended syllogisms and and yeah, and lived on lived in his actions and I I believe that uh those influences uh were instilled in not only the students that he had in the classroom but the people that he went to church with and and met just throughout his life. Yeah. Right. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks you all for calling in. We need to get together soon again. Uh, I'm sure you'll you'll be there Saturday, so we'll look forward forward to uh, seeing you there. Yes. Yes, indeed. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to God talk bless. with you. Thanks for calling in. You right, too, yes. brother. Bye bye.
All right. So that brings us to uh, another caller, our good friend, uh, Dr. Bill or William Roach. Dr. Roach. Thank you, Devin. It's good to be on today. Good to be on today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being willing to come on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Roach is um, the uh, trained obviously at Southern Evangelical Seminary. He's got a he's got a a a very uh, deep and lengthy history with the seminary, and which I know he'll be sharing. Um, very on a personal level and academically. Um, he is also the president of the International Society of Christian and Apologetics, and we have that linked here in the show description where you can uh, find out more information about this um, awesome um, organization that Dr. Geiser founded in 2007 to, um, to uh, share the message of apologetics and um, to equip the body of Christ and to stand for biblical truth, which, again, Bill is doing a great job as president of that um, of that organization. So, Bill, um, uh, thank you again for taking time out to come on and um, go back and tell us from the beginning uh, your relationship with Dr. Geisler and how that all started. Well, my relationship with Dr. Geisler began on the streets of Chicago. I was mm-hmm. serving as a uh, on pastoral staff at a church in Cabrini Green and. For those who aren't aware of Cabrini-Green, this was a community that was considered the slums of Chicago. I mean, you could have just as good of a chance of buying some kind of candy bar and a drink at the gas station as you could some kind of fully automatic weapon. It was a very difficult community Mm -hmm. that was there. So in the community, you were running into a whole variety of people. You had individuals who were born and raised that had their own objections. You had the universities who were sending people for different reasons into the community. You had different churches who were espousing different theologies all over the place. And I was found in a situation where I had to be able to answer a variety of questions, and I was unable to do it. So perplexed as I was, I left the, the church on a Friday evening kind of distraught, and I walked up Chicago Avenue to Michigan Avenue, which For anybody who knows Chicago, that's the heart of the city. And on my way back on Chicago Avenue, I stopped at Moody Bible Institute's bookstore just to kind of look around. And there, as I was going, I saw The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. And it was on sale, and I purchased it. And I devoured that book. And as I Mm -hmm. read that book, there was a man named Norman Geisler. It was The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. Hey, Bill, what was the name of the book? I'm sorry. The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. Okay. And he interviewed Dr. Geisler in that book, and I devoured that book over that weekend, and I started to realize there are individuals out there who have actually thought about these matters, and they've given really good, rational arguments to respond to these types of objections. So then you fast forward a little bit, and I'm sitting in – class for Bible college later that fall, and one of the professors, he required us to read the Baker Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics by Dr. Geisler. He also required The God Who Is There by Francis Schaeffer. It was an introduction to Mm -hmm. philosophy and theology class, and I remember reading and devouring the Baker Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics, and what intrigued me the most was this professor actually knew Dr. Geisler. He was a student of him at 
Dallas Seminary, and then again at Southern Evangelical Seminary. So in many ways, I got to know Dr. Geisler first through his writings, and as time pressed on, uh, Herb Flinkman actually left that institution. That was the professor's name, and he gave some of our names to Dr. Geisler, telling him that we were interested in going to SES. So at this time, I'm taking Intro to Apologetics as a distance student, and I didn't know that Herb gave our number to him. And somebody mm. calls, and I remember thinking to myself, I am watching Dr. Geisler's lessons right now. Everybody knows this is what I do mm. in the morning because this is the only time I have to study. Who is calling to interrupt me? So I pick it up, and I was a little frustrated being interrupted. And I hear this, hello, I'm Norman Geisler. I was given your contact information by Herb Flinkman. He told me you'd be interested <laughs> in attending the school. And to be honest, I thought it was a friend of mine prank phone calling me. And I almost hung up, but by God's grace, I didn't. And, you know, one of the things Dr. Geisler did at that time is he actually would recruit for the school. And that's something you don't find seminary presidents doing, especially men of Dr. Geisler's stature. And by the end of the conversation, I was invited to Charlotte to come tour the school, stay at his house, got to meet his family. And that was my first interactions with Dr. Geisler. He was a man that was really committed to personally investing in the lives of his students. And I think it's because he knew what it was like to be somebody who really didn't know anybody in the Christian world, and to have a figure like him reach out was just just monumental for me. So that was my first interactions with Dr. Geisler. Right. Wow. So then you come to Charlotte at, at some point, right? Yeah, so I moved to Charlotte shortly right after that, and I remember signing up and coming to the institution, and I came to the Bible college. I was uh, first enrolled there and eventually went into the seminary. So I remember I packed my bags, I put everything in my little car, and I drove all the way across, uh, you mm-hmm. know, halfway across the country, and I was roommates with a guy named John Brandon and Simon Brace, and Mm -hmm. God used that as a way to really connect me to the institution. But what was most important is I got to know Dr. Geisler on a personal level. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we would go to his house, like people have said, and we'd get to know him, which, again, you don't find that with a lot of Christian leaders. Most of them kind of have a distance, you know, between them Mm -hmm. and their students, or they're busy. But Geisler was just the opposite. But, you know, one thing that's Mm -hmm. interesting about me is that I was actually the first graduate of the Bible college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had started it, and now there were students who started before me, but I transferred in a couple credits and got ahead of them. And I actually graduated Mm -hmm. in the winter term, and I graduated summa cum laude, but I was the only student to actually graduate at that time. So I was literally at the bottom Mm -hmm. and the top of my class simultaneously. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, right after that, Dr. Geisler asked me to be his assistant. And initially I was taken back. You know, why why would I be chosen to be his assistant? But for the rest of seminary, I would help him, you know, grade papers for classes and research for books and travel and speak with him. And through that, I Mm -hmm. got to meet some of the, the leading figures in the Christian world. But more importantly, I was taught to do apologetics by one of the greatest living apologists of our age, 
You know, his motto used to be, mm-hmm. we want to train trainers, teach teachers, and disciple disciplers. And truly, Dr. Geisler did that for me, and I'll be forever thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, you know, that that influence and that impact that he's had on you, I know that that goes, like you said, it goes far beyond the um, the, the classroom and, and that. And I know you served um, on student leadership at Southern Evangelical Seminary, and um, and God's used you in a major, major way in the body of Christ as well. So tell us some of your favorite Dr. Geiser stories. <laughs> I, I think some of my favorite Dr. Geisler stories were some of them just in his home. You know, mm-hmm. I was able to have an office inside of his house. Um, they actually would call it like Bill's room because there was a bed and an office mm-hmm. in there, and I would – you know, we, we worked on a lot of books together. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people know about the ones that we co-authored or, you know, we contributed and edited together. But there were several more where I would, served as a research assistant and helped him draft several chapters. So I think a lot of the things mm-hmm. I enjoy were that. But, you know, I think more of the ideas and memories will come in the time going forward. But I remember just a different side of him. Um, for example, mm-hmm. I remember one time he was singing a goofy Johnny Cash song with some of his grandchildren, mm-hmm. and it was hilarious mm-hmm. because if you know anything about the Geisler family, his wife basically has all of the musical genes, and she's right. a phenomenal musician. And Geisler would tell you he has none of those genes. He would say the only mm-hmm. instrument he ever learned how to play was the shoehorn, and he only knew how to play footnotes. Um, mm-hmm. And he just, you know, he would joke about it so often, but he was really there as a man who came from an age and an era that was able to balance his academics with his personal life. He always put his family first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. some of the other things that I really remember is that, you know, there was never a time in my adult life when Dr. Geisler wasn't there. You know, he, he laid mm-hmm. hands on me at my ordination and prayed for me. He was the first to congratulate me when I finished my Ph.D. He officiated our wedding. And I remember some of the marriage advice that he gave just leading right up to that ceremony. You know, he would always kind of Mm -hmm. joke about wedding ceremonies that on the day of your wedding, you stand up in front of a group of people and you say, I do. And then you wake up the next day and you think to yourself, what did I do? Because you think about (laughs) the daunting effects of the, uh, you know, the commitment Mm -hmm. you made. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's where really the pastoral heart of Geisler came about. He realized that apologetics is a theoretical discipline, but there's a practical mm-hmm. application of it. And those were many of the things that I remember with Dr. Geisler is that he was very influential in a personal way in my life, whether it be through counseling me through the death of my father, advising me mm-hmm. in the marriage of my wife, teaching me how to actually write and, you know, I would write something and he would say, I think we need to redo this, meaning let me help you through this, because people did that for him. Um, so on a very practical level, those are some of the things I remember. But, you know, I think one thing that I really want to talk about with Dr. Geisler that was influential for me was actually co-authoring the book Defending Inerrancy. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that to toot my horn, but to realize and discuss the influence that man had. You know, Dr. Geisler wasn't just the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. In many ways, he was a 
an individual in evangelicalism who forged the movement. And in many ways, evangelicalism would not be as evangelical if Dr. Geisler was not there. Um, in I agree. many respects, he acted as sort of the, the governor, not like a governor over a state, but the regulator for thou shall not pass. And he kept the, mm-hmm. the boundaries of doctrinal orthodoxy alive, not just in the local church level, but at the large evangelical big Eva, we might say, level. And that's a hard battle. And, you know, he was mm-hmm. such a monumental figure in the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy and his ability to work with guys like J.I. Packer and R.C. Sproul and Francis Schaeffer. Three names that will go down in history, but alongside them is going to be Dr. Geisler. So he really was sort of a leader's leader. He was a teacher's teacher. He was a pastor's pastor. And for that, we're thankful. Right. And his impact is just going to be felt. I mean, I don't think that we even have any idea um, or even we haven't even scratched the surface of the impact that he already has and um, is going to have um until the Lord returns, um, and just it's such an honor to have have known him um, and to have been taught by him. And uh, tell us about with ISCA, with you know, with the Inter- International Society of Christian Apologetics, um, about um, your work with Dr. Geyser through ISCA, and um, as that he founded in 2007, and then kind of what the future of ISCA may be looking like at this point. Yeah, Dr. Geisler was a founder of the International Society of Christian Apologetics. And the first conference that we had for it was actually at SES. In fact, I remember Gary mm-hmm. Habermas gave the plenary address for that, uh, that year, and Dr. Geisler gave a plenary address. And it was a few days beforehand, and Simon Brace and I were sitting at Dr. Geisler's house, and he encouraged us to go to the conference. And we thought, well, who are we? You know, we don't know anything <laughs> compared to these big yeah. scholars that are coming in. But he told us that we could actually join as student members because we were pursuing a master's degree. Well, unbeknownst mm-hmm. to us, everybody who joined that at that first meeting also became charter members, which, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever that's worth, we were really there in the very beginning. So Simon and I were able to, to get on board with it. And at the time, I don't think I realized the impact and influence of ISCA. You know, ISCA was birthed out of really many of the doctrinal decays that were going taking place within the Evangelical Theological Society. You know, for several mm-hmm. years, they were fighting the battle for the Bible, the battle for God, and the battle for truth in ETS. And the battle for the Bible was fought really between Dr. Geisler and an individual who was denying the total truthfulness of the Gospel of Matthew and the historical narratives. His name was Robert Gundry. And Gundry was using what was known as a midrash approach, which is a way of really taking historical narrative and making it non-historical. And Geisler and several people responded to that in order to uphold the total truthfulness and historical accuracy of the scriptures. And one of the key things that came about is that ETS requires an affirmation of inerrancy. But inerrancy can be a very fluid term, meaning whose definition of inerrancy. So Dr. Geisler and a man named L. Russ Bush 
were key in trying to get ETS to adopt the Chicago Statement as the definition of inerrancy, and it was done. Well, things didn't stop there. You know, we had a, a right doctrine of inerrancy, but the battle never ceases. And as time went, went forward, another man named Clark Pinnock started to deny that God had exhaustive foreknowledge of the future, namely God doesn't know all things that occur in the future and a future foreknowledge. He was called an open theist. And there were other mm-hmm. individuals who were within ETS that were advocating postmodern views, denying truth, truth's relative, propositions can't contain truth, and so forth. Well, a vote came about on what do we do with Clark Pinnock? Because, you know, if you attack the Word of God, that can get you removed from the organization. Well, what about if you attack actually God himself and the nature of God himself? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, they needed 66% of the vote to remove Clark Pinnock, and they got 63%. And a mass exodus of people left ETS because of that, and one of them was Dr. Geisler. So Dr. Geisler mm-hmm. and L. Russ Bush wanted to found an organization that was committed to the Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy, classical theism, metaphysical realism, and the solas of the Reformation, and that's ISCA. Mm-hmm. It's made to be an mm-hmm. organization where evangelical apologists or theologians can come together and remain consistent with the theological vision of evangelicalism, in particular, classic Mm -hmm. evangelicalism. And what we try Mm -hmm. to do is provide an atmosphere where doctrinal integrity is still upheld, where we can publish journal articles and present papers, where we can come together even in midst of maybe small differences on secondary matters of theology or differences in apologetic Mm -hmm. methodology for the sake of the Mm -hmm. gospel. And that's what Dr. Geisler sought Mm -hmm. to do. And currently I'm trying to take that baton and go forward with it. I want to keep Dr. Geisler's Mm -hmm. legacy alive and his battle for truth because Geisler was a militant defender of the truth of God's word. So that's what we exist for, and that's kind of the background history of ISCA. Right. Well, I definitely um, don't know, no one would doubt that he is definitely a militant defender of truth and um, truth in our generation. And I just continue to pray for Iska and for the mission that um, he's so, uh, that he's so valued and that he um, promoted. Um, any closing thoughts on Dr. Gaja's life and legacy, Bill? Um, there's, I know there's a lot that you could say, and like I said, from the personal influence and uh, and from the academic influence, but any any closing thoughts? You know, there, like I've said, there's a lot of personal stories, and, I, and many people are going to have personal stories over the next few days. In many ways, what I want us to think about, and, you know, I, I wrote an article about this just recently, but, you know, as we reflect upon the life of Dr. Norman Geisler, I'm reminded of Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And there's mm. a famous line in that hymn that says, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's, abideth, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. You know, I think this just really captures the essence of Dr. Geisler's life at this point. You know, he's mm-hmm. now closed the, the final chapter of his earthly life. Dr. Geisler has now let goods, his kindred go, this mortal life also, but we who are here now can rest upon the fact that God's truth abideth still. Christ's 
mm-hmm. kingdom still presses forward. You know, as much as we love and honor Dr. Geisler, we realize that, you know, the kingdom of Christ doesn't rest solely upon Geisler's shoulders. It rests upon Jesus mm-hmm. Christ himself. And even Amen. though God's messengers may die and go to the grave, God's message continues. And, you know, the Amen. thing that I really am thankful for with Dr. Geisler is that in an era of church history, when theology is in chaos and the church seems to be shaken of its very core and people and their view of truth and reality seems to be tossed to and fro like every wave of the sea, we're thankful for the example of Dr. Geisler who stood as a beacon of truth shining forth in the midst of a dark world. So in closing, we know that Dr. Geisler has now joined the great host of witnesses who have gone before and has passed the baton on to each of us. We can honor Mm -hmm. Dr. Geisler by continuing his legacy. It's now our responsibility during this time in history to say, I am put here now for the defense of the gospel. That's the legacy guys mm-hmm. would want. Good leaders do more than just defend the truth in their age. They train people who can continue that battle when they're gone, and that's what Geisler did, and that's how we can honor him at this time. Amen, Bill. Thank you for that uh, touching tribute. Uh, quickly, where can people find your work and your books and uh, – follow you at you can you can find all of my stuff on my website right now williamroach.org and that has links to different sermons and books and thing different articles that i've put out if anybody's interested in joining isca they can google the international society of christian apologetics we have um, we have full members We have student members. We even have what's known as a general membership for people who maybe don't have the academic background, but yet they want to learn apologetics and join into the society. That's really what we're here for. We're here to serve as a means to equip the church for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Well, thank you, Bill, for coming on, and look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yes, see you in a few days. God bless. We thank you, and We love you, too, and we're really appreciative for all that you've done. God bless you, brother. Thanks, Bill. All right, folks. I can't believe it's already been an hour, uh, so we need to start uh, wrapping things up. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back, and my wife is going to share a few memories of Dr. Geisler that mean a lot to, uh, to both of us. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Come really early on Saturday morning. I just want to pretend I'm not even home. My first instinct is just to say no thank you because I'm not ready to talk about what I believe. They're catching me off guard. I said, oh, here they come again. I just don't open my door for them because I don't want to be bothered. I feel anxious um, about getting into a religious discussion with them. I head to the back of the house. The first thing I'm going to do is you know, grab the kids and run to the basement. <laughs> I don't really uh, want to sit there and banter with them for 30, 40 minutes. I don't want to open the door because I don't want to talk to them. Uh, I guess because I don't understand a lot of uh, about their religion. I know that they'll be coming back over and over again. 
and the first time you had that experience, you don't want it to happen again. So I get annoyed every time I see them. In the name of Jehovah. This DVD, produced by the Interfaith Evangelism Team of the North American Mission Board, will help you understand the people who knock on your door in the name of Jehovah. It will teach you what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. It will measure those beliefs against the yardstick of God's Word, and it will help you reach Jehovah's Witnesses with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We are back as we continue our tribute to the life and legacy of Dr. Norman Geisler. Um, and Devin and I, as before we close, we just, again, we've shared throughout the show different memories of, of Dr. Geisler and what he means to us. And um, one of the uh, significant um, impacts that he's had in our lives um, was through a set of circumstances that occurred in our lives in 2011. Um, People who know us personally know this, and some may not, but um, we went through a, a health ordeal with Devin um, when he actually contracted the H1N1 flu virus. And um, within a couple weeks, um, he had uh, basically gotten to the point where he had uh, acute respiratory um, distress and his, his um, lungs had basically collapse. They had been, become filled with fluid. He could not breathe. And so while we were in the hospital, um, he began to deteriorate quickly one day, and um, they had to rush Devin to the ICU. And um, it was just myself at the hospital that day. Well, we had had visitors throughout the day, but at that, at that point when he became basically critical, um, it was just myself at the hospital, and they rushed Devin to the ICU. Um, when I got to ICU, they had explained to me that, um, again, Devin was very critical, and they had to place him in a medically induced coma. Um, they had to intubate him so that he could breathe. Um, basically, they placed him on life support. And... Um, I have no idea how Dr. Geyser found out. Um, I think possibly through social media, uh, someone may, may have contacted him. I think, actually, I think Bill Roach, um, who we just had on, contacted Dr. Geyser and let him know that this was was occurring. So as I'm at the in the ICU area, um, just as the doctors are basically working on Devin to stabilize him, the um, one of the nurses at the desk says, you know, Melissa, uh, Miss Clue, uh, you have a phone call. And um, I'm thinking, what in the world, you know? <laughs> I had a phone call in the ICU, and um, I pick up the phone and um, I hear Melissa, it's Norm Geisler. I hear his voice on the other end, and uh, he says, you know, I just I just heard about Devin, what's going on. I just wanted to call and check on you, see if you needed anything, and just to let you know that we're praying, and I, I wanted to pray with you. Um, and he prayed with me on the phone right then. And um, I 
sorry. <laughs> it was just such an emotional time. It was such a hard time. And um, he prayed with me on the phone. And I just felt, I just felt a peace. And um, I just knew that the Lord was with me. And um, it just calmed me so much in the, the midst of the unknown when the doctors were coming to me and saying, you know, his, he, if he codes again, if his heart stops, do you want us to resuscitate your husband and these things? But that prayer mean, meant everything to me, that he dropped everything and called me. And it was just, he just had that that presence about him. Um, just that um, for many of us who don't have, you know, who did, either had a poor father figure or didn't have a father in our lives, for you to have someone who, you know, a man who you know truly cares about you with those warm eyes every time, every time you saw him and so welcoming and just made you feel so safe. And so um, that that's my memories of Dr. Geisler for the most part. It's just it being in his, you know, hearing him teach. And listening to his wisdom, but just also those warm, caring eyes and those hugs and just always feeling, never feeling like you were a burden, but always feeling so cared for and so accepted. And so um, just throughout that, um, and even as Devin, um, it, it it was a long journey with him in the hospital. He was in a coma for about three and a half weeks. Dr. Geiser and the SCS family, they were there for us every step of the way. You know, we talk about apologetics and philosophy, and, you know, people wonder, does it really matter? Well, our family, our SCS family, they mattered to us. They they were everything to us during that time. It was a time of lots of uncertainty. We didn't know what Devin's long-term prognosis would look like, even after we knew that he would survive this. Um, And you know, so after he actually was recovering and he was home from the hospital, um, we were just in such a horrible financial situation. We had doctor bills. We had, I had to take time off of work to take care of him. We had literally no income. And um, I remember Norm Geisler International Ministry, they, um, I remember Mike Jackson, Dr. Geisler, Bill Roach, all these, you know, Dave Geisler, all reached out to see how they could help. And they basically, upon their own, came up with uh, an offer where they were offering several of Dr. Geiser's teachings on, I believe, DVD um, uh, for basically for free. To uh, They were offering it to the, to anyone who would like these teachings um, for, any, for a gift of any amount. And the ministry would not take any of those proceeds. They actually donated every proceed to us. And um, we would not have survived financially without that, without that sacrifice of Norm Geiser Ministries and without his heart to help us during that time. Um, he also gave us opportunities during this difficult financial time to uh, edit, help edit books and things like that so that we could earn some income, so that Devin could earn some income while he was home and, and recovering and could not work. Um, it was just – it was amazing to see – that much um, personal care and concern be given to to us, you know, to just everyday, ordinary people who nothing special about us, but um, you know, he just he just he loved that way. He loved that that genuinely, and um, 
So we'll, we're forever um, grateful for his influence in his life. And um, I did want to um, share information about the uh, funeral arrangements because there will be a um, a, uh, a live stream of the funeral for those who cannot physically be in Charlotte. Um, there will be a visitation uh, this Friday, uh, July 5th, from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Forest Lawn East Cemetery and Heritage Funeral Home, and that's in Matthews, North Carolina. So that's this Friday from 6 to 9 is visitation. The funeral service will be on this Saturday, July 6th at 3 p.m. at Calvary Church um, in Charlotte, where um, the National Conference on Christian Apologetics is hosted every year. So um, all are welcome to that public funeral service. Um, again, if you cannot be there um, in Charlotte at the funeral service in person, uh, the funeral will be live streamed from the SES Facebook page. So you can um, uh, go there during the, the – It'll, uh, from my understanding, the live stream will begin at 2.45 on Saturday. Um, and then following the funeral service on Saturday, SES uh, will be hosting an informal reception at the campus of SES from 5 to 7. Um, which is located at 15 or 15015 Lancaster Highway in Charlotte. Um, so this will be a time for the SES family and friends to celebrate the life of Dr. Geisler and share memories of our great friend and mentor, and there will be light refreshments uh, served. Um, in addition, um, for those of you who many are sharing pictures and wonderful thoughts about Dr. Geisler um, on social media, you can actually um, hashtag uh, if you'd like to make a short video testimonial on the impact that Dr. Geisler has had on you, you can hashtag Thanks Norm, as well as Geisler Legacy, and um, those will be shared to the SES page as well. So just, again, uh, you know, record a short testimonial, and um, that, will, uh, that will be such a blessing to the Geisler family as they grieve, and to all of us as we grieve um, and as we um, reflect on his life and as, as we move forward. So, um, again, thank you for joining us for this very uh, special time, and uh, don't forget to, to check out that live stream on Saturday. Um, we'll be back again next Wednesday right yes. around noon Eastern, yes. and the goal is just to go through maybe a different uh, article or, you know, something apologetics and theologically related, mm -hmm. and uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff with the pro-life. Uh, issue. Spent some time last weekend in Greensboro on a pro-life panel, so maybe we'll spend some time. Uh, maybe we can do some do some interviews. Right. Uh, so next Wednesday, our plan is to um, to discuss the pro-life issues and to bring on some of the panelists from that uh, panel that we were on. Uh, we were at a, uh, a, a predominantly African American church, and some of the um, we heard testimonies of those who were post-abortive. We heard um, those who uh, were educated on the issue and uh, understand the impact that abortion, the devastating impact that abortion has had on the black community um, and in just the, the our nation as a whole, our world as a whole. But um, and we'll, we'll actually post the, uh, the the talk, the main talk, and then the panel. We'll post post that on our Theology Matters page. So if you get some time between now and then, uh, again, Theology Matters with the Palouse. Uh, look that up, and uh, and uh, if we can be of any assistance to you, any service to you, ask answer any questions. If we can, um, you know, if you need, would like for us to help train, do any training at your events, etc. We would um, uh, love for you to uh, to visit us at 
our uh, Russia Christian Winthrop uh, Facebook pages and our website. Um, you can contact us, Melissa Palu at ratiochristi.org. Um, and I will um, definitely get back with you. We are supported missionaries, so we do everything that we, that we do for the body of Christ and on the college campus and apologetics evangelism, um, equipping the, the church as well as um, ministering to skeptics and those of other faiths through the uh, financial support of others who uh, invest in our ministry and in our lives. So um, you could, con you know, consider partnering with us. That would be such a blessing. Um, if you visit us uh, uh, at uh, our link is uh, hard. The link is, is um, here on the uh, description here um, where uh, our names are. You can just click there to look at our bio and to find out how you can support us. Um, and we thank you again for joining us for this very special time. Look forward to seeing you next week. And God bless you all. And continue uh, the good fight of faith. Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing you guys all uh, next week. And may the Lord keep us and give us opportunity to share the gospel. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.